Welcome to another episode of Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant. Study Hall with Eugene W. Grant permits our guests and our audience an opportunity to visit our virtual classroom to study and learn more about varying topics of interest to entrepreneurs and business leaders. So glad you could join us as we engage in an educational discussion with two amazing guests we have with us today. You will be inspired and enlightened by the information shared by these wonderful young women. We're on to have Dr. Latasia Jones. Dr. Latasia Jones received her BS and MS in biology at Virginia State University. During this time, she taught undergrad biology and participated in several outreach opportunities to include teaching young students in Ghana. In 2017, she became the first African-American to earn a PhD from the Department of Biomedical Sciences in the College of Medicine at Florida State University. Dr. Jones worked as a laboratory scientist for over 13 years. She is a volunteer, STEM educator, owns a STEM consulting business, and co-owns a STEM nonprofit. Dr. Jones also serves as an American Association for the Advancement of Science If Then Ambassador, encouraging young girls to pursue STEM careers during her appearances on a CBS show called Mission Unstoppable, WUSA 9, Great Day Washington, WTOP radio station, and many more. A statue honoring Dr. Jones and other AAAS If Then Ambassadors are exhibited at a park in Dallas, Texas as a tribute to female STEM leaders. Dr. Jones believes that if young girls, especially girls of color, see her working in a lab or read about her achievements, they will believe in their own ability to be anything they dream of becoming and more. With this belief in mind, Dr. Jones decided to leave the lab life to pursue more of her passion-filled initiatives. She has worked as the senior ethics specialist at the American Society for Microbiology and now works at the National Institutes of Health as the scientific review officer. She serves over 10,000 youth yearly. Marnita L. King was reared in Capitol Heights, Maryland since she was an adolescent. For over 35 years, Marnita has represented Capitol Heights as a scholar, a resident, an advocate, and recently served as its mayor for her small town. Marnita graduated cum laude from the University of Maryland Eastern Shore with a Bachelor of Science degree, where she studied criminal justice and political science. Marnita has also received her Juris Doctorate with honors from the University of Maryland School of Law. Marnita is honored to be a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Since 2001, Marnita has been an active litigating attorney in Maryland and the District of Columbia. It is with God's grace with Marnita has been able to use her education and experience for the betterment of Capitol Heights. Previously, Marnita was a council member for two terms in the town of Capitol Heights from 2006 to 2014. Marnita has taken a personal and active role in the enhancement of Capitol Heights as senior citizen quality of life. Marnita has continued to fight for economic development within Capitol Heights, which is balanced by a sensitivity for neighborhood preservation. Marnita considers herself an advocate for the people. Welcome, ladies, to the show. As we get started, we'll start with you, Attorney King. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. I just read your bio, but give us some information that maybe I was not able to read the bio section. 
Um, well, yes, I'm, I'm here from Prince George's County, Maryland. I grew up here. I am an attorney um, by trade. Obviously, I've done some politics as well here locally. I really just enjoy being uh, able to help my community and my people. I'm a bonus mom to lots of young children. I haven't had any biological children, but I've raised a lot of great kids and I really advocate for step parents, foster parents, and just people as being a part of a family unit. So a lot of what I do is to make sure that we keep and maintain our families in whatever fashion they are. So I hope to tell you a little bit about how my practice facilitates that too. Well, thank you so very much, Dr. Jones. Yes, sir. So very similar to Attorney King, I love, love, love my service within the community. I serve over a thousand kids each year, showing them the love that I have found and discovered within science and STEM in particular. I am a scientist by trade and background. I was a practicing scientist for over 13 years. My background is in molecular biology, biomedical sciences, and neuroscience. I was the first African-American to earn my PhD from the Department of Biomedical Sciences at Florida State University. And with that victory, I decided I'm going to keep feeding my community and serving as not only a role model, but also telling my story to as many people as possible. Because one thing that we lack is role models within STEM that look like ourselves. And just knowing and showing that excitement for STEM. If you have an exciting person that's going to teach you, you may find that excitement through it as well. I have plenty of different ventures. I have my own business, consulting business, a nonprofit that myself and a colleague have started to show the love STEM and science to any kid anywhere, as well as I am a AAAS If Then ambassador. So I'm a role model internationally. I use a lot of different media features in order for me to keep sharing that information. And I have a statue in North Dallas Park in Dallas, Texas, of myself as a scientist. It's among 120 other women in STEM careers to show that we are amazing, we exist, and hopefully young girls can see us, especially girls of color, and be encouraged to go into these careers. Look, I am just so excited to have both of you young ladies as a part of a study hall with Eugene W. Grant, where learning never ends. This is such an exciting opportunity for us to meet two brilliant young Black women. And so one of the things I would like to do in starting off our segment is tell us what inspired you to get into your specific business. And we'll start with you, Dr. Jones, and then we'll go to Mayor King. Absolutely. So to actually start my business, the biggest thing that inspired me was the lack of representation within our field. I did not think of being a scientist when I was young because I didn't see myself within those models of who was a scientist when I was young. And then when we did see them, it was usually like the nerdy guy that never had anything good in life or it was Bill Nye, the science guy. And I didn't see myself in either one of those, whether it was Urkel or Bill Nye. So, you know, growing up, I didn't see or have that motivation. And I decided now that I have all these accolades and I'm doing all this great work, why not create that motivation for others? Because that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons that leads to the lack of diversity within science is the lack of seeing that belongingness within these fields. So I provide role models through my programming. I provide programs and completely tell my story and provide experiments, hands-on experiments. So kids and even adults, I've, I've worked with university level students, can learn the amazingness within being in a research lab and so on. Mm. Mayor King. 
So, yeah, so when I was, um, I graduated top of my class in law school, and so I went to the big firm, which is where, you know, I thought that's where I was supposed to go. Um, and when I would sit in the courtroom and I would be there with other members of my colleagues, I would look over and I would, you know, I'm a part of a team. Uh, you know, we, we charge a lot of money. People had to pay us well. But I would see moms, dads, people just like I grew up with, without representation, they would come in the courtroom. And I just realized there was such a need for quality legal representation, just not at the same cost, you know? So I wanted to be able to help my people, and not just my race of people, but people that come similarly situated from my community. And I wanted to be able to offer legal services. I had people come to me, they wanted me to represent them, but I worked for a firm and they couldn't afford the firm prices. And so it was, it was difficult. I finally decided to make the decision to, you know what, open up a law firm that would be able to, I could make my decision on who I wanted to re represent and I could help the people so that people could make payment plans and people could still receive real good quality legal representation, but not at the cost they're used to paying. So mm -hmm. that was the reason I wanted to open up my own law firm, just because I was not so constricted with who I was able to represent. Great. This is just this is just amazing. What were some of the beginning steps you took to start your business, Mayor King? Uh, the first step was a mental one. I think I, I had to be willing to, you know, you know, you get comfortable with the paycheck that you receive from working for someone else. You, you know, I worked at the at the big law firm. I worked for government. I was comfortable with those benefits. I, I you know, so the I had to be. Uh, I had to pray and be willing and recognize that God would find uh, would provide if I had a good purpose and a, a good belief system that he would provide. And so that was the first biggest step, the mental step. And then it was putting an uh, actual plan in place. You know, I find that a lot of people have great ideas, but I had to have a plan. How was I going to market to clients? How was I going to maintain her staff? It's okay if I didn't pay myself. But the staff was going to be looking at me at payday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to make sure that I understood how to have staff. So I had to talk to people. Other, A lot of people hang up a shingle as a lawyer, but they don't stay in business. So I had to talk to people, success stories and failures, so that I could learn how to run a business. Um, not just how to be a lawyer, but how to run the business of law. And so right. I took a lot of time talking to other people, learning, and trying to make my model one that would sustain Right. Mayor, did you have a mentor that helped guide and shape what you did in the beginning stages? You know, I did. I, I had a lot of good attorneys. They were able to talk to me. I could call on them. I could ask them questions. So that was instrumental. I think it would have been very difficult to not have people to talk to along the way. I had several lawyers who were able to help me and I could go to and call and ask questions and, you know, they would reel me into reality because sometimes I'm like, oh, let's do all these things. And they're like, I can't, you know, as much as I wanted to do, I still had to be realistic about what I was able to do because I wanted to be able to provide legal services for everyone, but I had to pay staff, had to pay a lease, had, you know, had to keep my bar license, you know, there's expenses, obviously, with running a business. And so I still had to make sure that I kept the lights on, so to speak. Dr. Jones, tell us about your beginning steps that you took to start your business. 
So very similar to her story, I had to learn. One, I had to gauge my audience. I had to see what were the needs of my community because, you know, sometimes we go into these things, we have a whole written out plan, but then we didn't really take a few steps back to get an actual and a realistic gauge of what the community really needs. I can't come up with, you know, these high prices to charge a university that's potentially like just starting or something and expect them to pay the same prices that maybe a university that's already been founded and been, you know, around for years on top of years. Same thing as an organization, maybe an after school organization in one a community that's struggling. I wouldn't want to charge them the same amount versus another. But the same time of gauging the needs of that audience, maybe there's testing scores that are low in one community versus another. Maybe the teachers aren't, you know, they're not picking up the subject as well. During the pandemic, we had a lot of issues with teachers being able to have that close interaction with the kids. So that was another need that we needed to gap in and address. But bigger than all of those things, I had to learn my work. And I think that's one of the most critical questions to ask yourself. What is what are you bringing to the table and what value do you put next to that? And that is a hard question. I, I think a lot of African-American women in particular have an issue with answering that question for themselves, because a lot of times in our own community, we're told, you know, sit down, humble yourself when we, you know, build all these accolades and put all these degrees to our names. But at the end of the day, if we're going to bring something to the community and we, we're calling the shots and we created our own business, we have the right to say, hey, I invested this much in myself. so I'm going to charge this much for my services. Oh. And at the same time, I had to realize, hey, some people can't afford this. And maybe the reason why you didn't receive a role model or these programs and resources was because it wasn't affordable where you were living or where you were going to school. So that's why myself and my colleague created a nonprofit for those individuals to to help that audience as well. Now we can get the grant money and seed into our community without having to ask them to pay for anything. So it's a matter of gauging your community, seeing what their needs are, seeing what's the best way to address those needs, but also knowing your worth and your value as well. And I had to learn all of those things. I'm still learning those things, to be honest with you, because I keep building onto myself. That's another thing that I love about Black women. We keep building. We don't never stop. We keep learning. Right. We keep getting more credentials. We get getting better and better as time goes. And even in this last year, I've had three different jobs, three different careers. So I keep building myself. I started two nonprofits. Like, <laughs> I keep building myself. And in the midst of building myself, my value went up. So now, with that time and that progression, I have to reassert things, reassess what I'm going and what I'm doing, and things have to elevate with that as well. Did you also have a mentor or mentors? I have tons of mentors, tons of mentors. Anybody and everybody I cross paths with, like I'm calling both of you mentors now because I'm learning from your story. Anybody that has told me a story about their selves, I listen. I'm a, I'm a very great listener. I probably take that into a lot of different arenas, which is great. But I take things from each person's story that can definitely benefit myself or it may benefit someone else. You never know. So everyone I've crossed paths with, I definitely say that they are a mentor of mine, especially if they have nonprofits, they're helping their community. If they're in STEM or even if they're outside of STEM, somebody that inspires me is definitely going to be my mentor. And I have tons of them. <laughs> So I'd like to put both of you all on the spot just for a second. And so a lot of times we hear people talk about mentorship and want mentors. But the question that I have is, are you mentoring anyone? Have you reached out? Have you done something to help a young, enterprising young woman or young lady, young girl who you have taken some time out of your schedule just to seed into, water on, to nurture, to help. And I'll start with you, Mayor King. Well, I definitely have in the legal community, let's talk there. I used to always say, I wish I could talk to the younger me. 
You know, the younger me, when I, you know, when I came out, I was just wanting to fight all the battles, going to courtroom, kicking names and <laughs> the importance yeah. of relationships. I didn't understand right. the importance mm. of what I did. And so now when I see young female attorneys um, come in contact with me and they come so aggressive sometimes, the clients are nowhere around. Sometimes I... Listen, listen, let's talk. <laughs> you know, A, we're going to get to the case. You know, but I, but I try to engage. I try to talk even after the case is over. There's a couple of women who now we go out, we have coffee, we drink, and we talk about how our cases are going, how we can be better as attorneys, the challenges we have of working in our field. I've been doing this now. Now I realize how long I've been doing it. I realize I have something to offer because I won't ever be able to talk to the younger me, but there's a lot of other people that can benefit from it. So every opportunity I have, I can. Um, and as you know, also when I was the mayor, obviously I had my youth leadership camps. And that was because when I was young, I did you not did. have that opportunity to, I didn't go to the governor's mansion. I didn't get to go sit and talk with the mayor grant. You know, I didn't have those opportunities. And so every year that I was a council member or a mayor, I had a youth summer leadership program where I made sure that leadership was key for this camp. Some people said, oh, do a football camp. I said, there are, those camps exist and they're great and purposeful. But my camp was for leadership, teaching public speaking, introducing kids, even though they may never remember going to the White House or going to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Later in life, they'll realize the exposure that they had. So those are things that were important to me when I was the mayor to make sure young people were exposed to those opportunities. Nice. Dr. Jones. Yes. Same question? Yes. Ab same absolutely. Question. Absolutely. I would not be Dr. Jones if it wasn't for a mentor or a million. And mm -hmm. I refuse to live on this earth without being a mentor to as many as possible. So throughout the year, whether it's showing experiments, listening to the problems of the future scientists and even beyond science and so on, calling me, they email, they post comments on my social media, everything. I, I like to mentor in any and every aspect. But biggest of all, I think this past year, I created Stemming Wild Black, which one of, one of my nonprofits. And it is to serve in showing leaders who are current Black leaders in STEM. So they're scientists, mathematicians, anything and everything in STEM careers. And they're also in academic programs. And I held five panel discussions. We talked about anything from discrimination within the STEM field to microaggressions to having to play a code or have that code when you're switching code in your actual career, all the way to how do I get into that actual career? What are the career advice that you could provide? And from those programs, we had over another thousand people, um, most of them being students, a lot of them also being individuals within government agencies, their own academic programs and so on that one just wanted to hear and get some advice so they can pass it on to the next person. And all of them are also finding role models within that program to be mentors to them as well. So a lot of the questions that I received was, Dr. Jones, being the first black in, you know, to graduate with your degree, I'm the first person in my whole family to even get a degree. What advice would you oh. give me? You know, so a lot of the, that mentoring, it translates across the board. It's not just, oh, you have to be in science to get mentorship from me. No, I've mentored anybody and everybody under the sun that are doing things I had no, no idea about to this day what they're doing, to be honest. If you wanted me to act, give you detail, I couldn't in a lot of the careers of the people that I am mentoring. But it's amazing to be able to mentor because I've one, it shows you that your story can do so much more than just be told. And then two, it can usher in somebody to their next victory and allow them to bypass the challenges and fears of their current story to get to the success that they will hopefully achieve later on. 
So absolutely, I do not even turn or bat an eye to mentorship. Any chance that I could be a mentor, I take that opportunity. We, we know that there is a saying out there that no woman is an island unto herself. You know, you can't do it all by yourself. So relationships are critically important and building relationships, creating, building, fostering and sustaining relationships. Tell us a little bit about the types of relationships that you have as an entrepreneur, maybe with other entrepreneurs or maybe with your client or customer base. Tell us about how does that relationship look? How do you create those relationships? How do you maintain those relationships? And why are those relationships important as an entrepreneur? Uh, Dr. Jones, we'll start with you. Absolutely, so a lot of the relationships that I have like I said, I have mentors from any and every corner and behind any and every tree. So, uh, I mean, even building my business up and having that business relationship, I have learned from some of my clients. One in particular at the beginning when I didn't know how to value my services, what value to put on my services, I asked her and I, you know, after I'd already given her a quote, I said, hey, did I lowball myself? And because we had gone to the same institution beforehand, she went to my HBCU, Virginia State University, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, she she let me know. She said, actually, you did, Dr. Jones. You came nowhere close to what I thought you were going to say for your services. And I said, well, it's no problem now, because that's, that was my first, 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 first um, bite at, you know, doing business and consulting. So I can, you know, as the kid, young kids say, we could take the L right now. Right. And it's OK but I'm gonna learn how to be better later on when it comes to putting a value to my services. So she gave me a quote from one of the businesses that she has done interactions with in the past. And when I say the number of difference was incredibly different and I was bringing in speakers. So it's a reflection on yourself as how much you learn as well. I learned from that experience, one, you need to increase your value because you're bringing in these other people to be role models and all of the, everything that you start off with as your foundation affects everyone else, right? So I brought in three speakers and I didn't even price, give them a honorarium anywhere close to what the person put in the quote from the example that she gave me. And I felt bad about that. So going forward, I never made that mistake again. So that's a valuable, valuable, valuable relationship. Having somebody like that. Also colleagues, colleagues with the like-mindedness because sometimes it gets tiring. You heard from Mayor King earlier. She said, you know, she's going to serve as many people as possible. And the attitude that she came in with at first versus later on, you learn a lot of these things from people who are, have already been there or are in the same shoes as you. It's very difficult talking to somebody else that has no idea what you're going through and never done it themselves. Um, you can still learn from them, but I've learned from people in the same shoes that relentlessly give up all their time and all their efforts, sweat and tears to community building and so on, that there's a lot of things you're not gonna receive and there's some things you're gonna receive. You're gonna receive the love, you're gonna receive the passion, you're gonna receive that heart-wrenching moment of helping that student and now they graduate from college. But you may not be rich after the first year. So, <laughs> you know, these are things that you learn. That is reality, that is reality. You may never get rich off of it. The richness comes in what you're doing for your community. And I love the fact that 
people of color specifically are going to be in a better situation than I was when I was young, looking at Bill Nye, the science guy, or Urkel as my examples of what a scientist was supposed to look like versus Dr. Jones or all of the hundreds and hundreds of people that I've used as role models within yes. STEM. So that's what I received from that. So when I answer the question, that is <laughs> that is my hopefully short answer. I hopefully said everything there, but yes. No, that's good. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Mayor King, tell us about the importance of relationships and how have you fostered relationships and maintain those relationships and why are they important? Relationships are are really important. I did not recognize that at the beginning of my career. Um, Mm. There was a time I filed a motion. A client asked me to file a motion to do something. I filed the motion and the judge denied it. The client let me go. Went and hired one of my colleagues, a Caucasian male. Literally, he filed the exact same motion. No difference in words. And the judge granted it. So I'm like, man, I'm no hater. So I went to go see him. What did you do? I saw him in the hall. I asked him, what did he do? And he said, my Nita, I didn't do anything different. It wasn't your fault. I saw a judge so-and-so in the hall. We played golf together. And so when I saw him, wow. I saw his motion and that I was going to, he told me, send it to him. And he granted it. And I started wow. to realize then what I didn't learn. Like when I, you know, I didn't have a, anyone to help me when I went to law school. You know, no one in my family had been lawyers. So I thought my book smarts, me being the brightest, was going to help. And ultimately, mm-hmm. I realized that me not going to the bar association meetings, me not going out to come talk with some of my colleagues and just going straight home, that was a deficit. And so I quickly learned that I needed to start to build relationships. It wasn't just walking in, kicking the door in, telling you, you're going to do it this way because I'm smarter. I had to build relationships with prosecutors. Um, Some of my clients said, why are you smiling and talking to that person? Because I'm going to see them 20 more times. And so I need to make sure they trust me, number one. I don't burn my bridges with lying to people and all those backhand things. Mm -hmm. They know when I come to them, if I'm advocating for a client, it is because I believe in this client. They know that I'm not going to be hiding some discovery behind my back. They know if I'm going to argue based on the facts. When I go into the courtroom, I don't disrespect the bailiffs or the clerks because they are helpful. A, they will get my cases called. They can tell me if the judge is in a good mood or bad mood. If it's a courthouse, I don't know. I walk to the bailiff or the clerk and ask them, I've never been here to uh, Cecil County before. What is the process? What is the procedure? You know, and when you humble yourself and ask questions Mm -hmm. to people, they're much more willing than you take that, you know, sort of uppity approach that you know better than anyone else. And so that's, again, me wishing I could talk to the old Marnita because <laughs> I, I burned some bridges. When I first came out, people were like, dang, she mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But now I can still advocate for my clients, but I have a, a different belief system. I definitely don't, I try to talk to my colleagues. I can call attorneys who refer cases to me. After the case is over, they'll refer other cases to me now because they know how hard I work for my clients. And right. so I realized it's those sort of relationships that ultimately benefit my clients. It's, at the end of the day, it's what can benefit my clients. And for me, I have found that making sure I at least try to redeem the reputation I once had. I used to have, I feel like such a bad reputation and, and there's nothing I can do about it. And then I had to just rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. And so now people are like, man, you used to be blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, that that was the past. I, I learned from that. And this is who I am now. And so right. now. 
the prosecutors I know now they, they may have talked to an old prosecutor and they say, well, she's not, she won't work with you. She won't, she's going to do this. And now people are like, no, that's not the, that's not the experience that I have. And so I've learned the hard way <laughs> that right. relationships are important with everybody in my field. At least I have to make sure I respect everyone. I have to make sure I work hard and let them see that I am someone who's going to advocate for my client. My goal is to win for my client, but it's not at a cost that's going to disrespect anyone. It's going to be at a, a cost that is honorable, I believe. May I add something to that real quick? Because you made me, and often we forget about, a, you're completely right. So during my PhD years, when I was the only African-American in my whole department, guess who was shouting for me the most? The housekeepers. Mm-hmm. The housekeepers. And mm-hmm. when I say, they were bringing me food sometimes when they saw me working my butt off all the way to midnight and everybody else had left for the day because I had to work more in order to prove that I belong here, mm-hmm. right? And I'm carrying what much more than just myself. I'm carrying the fact that my family wants me to do it. I'm carrying the fact that nobody else has done it that looks like me. So we had to get through this. So a lot of times we forget to make sure that those relationships are solid as well. And if it wasn't in those hard times when I was all the way in Florida and my family was all the way in Virginia, a lot of those times, those housekeepers made me feel like I was right at home. I felt like right at home when people, when everybody else was questioning, why are you here? The housekeeper's like, no, you stay here. Let me bring you some dinner. You know, so that's a relationship that I would never want to forget. And a lot of times we forget to bring that up. And I didn't want to go any further. No, 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 I agree with you. Some (laughs) days after a hard day in Charles County Court, a smile from the sheriff's on the way out the courthouse make me feel like, okay, they saw my pain. They give me the right. You know, right. um, And they're rooting for you. Yeah, they're Mm. rooting for you. And that makes you want to keep working hard. Right. Ladies, those were two phenomenal uh, stories, and 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 Mayor King, I want to appreciate your openness and your honesty, because a lot of times people don't want to be honest about making a mistake. They don't want to even acknowledge that they've ever made a mistake. But you were able to share a mistake, if you will, and then teach us how you grew from it. And Dr. Jones, what I greatly appreciated is the fact that you acknowledge those housekeepers. I can't tell you how much that caused me to feel very good and appreciate you acknowledging those housekeepers who are working hard, probably earning money to try to send a grandchild of theirs to school and and send them some money. And they looked at you and how humbling it was for you to just stop and acknowledge those housekeepers for just giving you words of encouragement. I think that that is so critically important. I want to ask this question of you, Doc. What does it feel like to have a statue in your (laughs) honor? I mean, Mayor King, me and you don't have statues. No, no, sir. I wouldn't go and get any bird poop that may fall in the statue. I'm proud of you. I, I am so proud of you, Dr. Jones. I'm Thank telling you. you. This is just amazing. Tell us about this honor. Tell us how you were selected to have a statue honoring you and the other AAAS, if then ambassadors, et cetera, there in Dallas, Texas. Tell us about this tribute. 
Absolutely. So Lida Hill is this amazing woman who is a philanthropist, and she decided to put her finances into building her community. And the biggest thing that she said was when she grew up, she never had the opportunity towards a lot of the STEM careers that are out today and that have been out for years. It was all always and only white men in these careers. So she said, you know what? Let me change that. Let me elevate the image of women who are doing amazing things in these careers already. Plus, let's go bigger than anybody else has gone. The majority of the statues in America are nothing but men. So she decided we're going to change that. And she created an exhibit funded off of her own funding of nothing but 120 plus women in STEM. And we all, one, we, we applied for the ambassadorship. We didn't mm-hmm. have any idea as far as what was going to come to us, as far as like a reward or all the accolades and stuff that was going to come. We had no idea of the statue. And we just knew that this was going to be a great ambassadorship in which we can mentor more people in a better and bigger way. So we were dedicating more of our life toward being mentors on a national and international level for some of us, because some people are in other countries. And as part of the program, we have been provided 3D printings, because STEM, of course, great correlation of our statue, full figure statue from head to toe. And with it is a short biography on which each woman and what they do as far as their sim careers. And like I said earlier, this is to hopefully promote and motivate women and young girls to be encouraged towards STEM careers. Because a lot of times we are the only ones in the room, the only ones at the table. Lida Hill and AAAS, if then ambassadorship said, forget that table, make your own table. And here's 120 plus women who did the same thing. So you can use their story and make your own story based off that motivation. Uh, Again, congratulations. We are so very proud of you. And I think it is a great honor at such a young age uh, to have this honor. We are honored to have, you know, Marnita King, who actually is the first attorney to serve as mayor of uh, the town of Capitol Heights. I mean, to be elected by the people that really she grew up. She was there as a young child growing up in her neighborhood and the people acknowledging and recognizing her talents, her commitment, her joy towards her community. Mayor King, tell us a little bit about the honor it was to have been elected. I know you were elected council member and then you were elected the mayor and then you served on some statewide committees with the Maryland Municipal League. Tell us about that great honor that the people of Capitol Heights bestowed upon you. It is a blessing. Um, even You know, I, I tell people that, you know, I used to play in, in, in the little, they had like this little gutter, so to speak. I know now it's called the Watts Branch, but it was like a little creek and I used to play in it and not realizing what I was playing in. I was just going down there because I didn't have anything to do. The mayor recognized that us kids were running around with nothing to do then and she would welcome us to come into the town hall. Our bus stop was across the street from the town hall and she was a black female, Vivian Dawson. I was able to see I was like, wow, you're a mayor? This was when I was in elementary school. And so I was so happy to know her. And so from that moment on, I wanted to be able to be a part of that. So she allowed me to realize that it was possible. And so as I continued to matriculate, I was always in Capitol Heights. It was such a blessing to be able to come back and serve the same people. And then I realized that this thing I used to play in that I thought was the gutter was actually a Watts branch. And then I was able to start advocating for some monies for green funding and the like. And so it was a wonderful full circle story. And I was just so happy when I was elected. I 
time my mom was here, we just cried and cried because I mm. loved the town so much. And I really wanted to be a good example. Everywhere I went, I wanted people to know that I was here advocating for the people of Capitol Heights and not just for myself, but everyone who was from that community because we didn't have a lot of options. We didn't have any recreational center or anything. And so it was a blessing that I was able to go out and it would have been a sin if I didn't come back to share what I believe Mayor yeah. Dodd put into me to help me get to where I was. And so mm-hmm. definitely was a blessing then. And I hope to continue for it to be a blessing for me to help not just Capitol Heights residents, but residents from small towns all over. Um, I think it's very important for me to give back. There's little Marnitas everywhere, I think. And I want to help all of them, as many as I can. Well, this has been really great. I'm going to give you all some closing comments, opportunities to pitch your business. That's what uh, this is really about, is for you an opportunity to really share with our listeners about your business and why they should uh, hire you and why they should get your services for them. But before I give you that chance, I just want to thank you so very much uh, for being on the show and sharing your stories. It has just been a great honor to have two dynamic Black women who are doing some phenomenal things and leaving their footprints on the sand for other young people to follow after, whether they're black, little black girls or little white girls, it really doesn't even matter as long as that you're leaving uh, footprints in the sand for somebody to follow in your footsteps. And both of you, we acknowledge and recognize that is what you're doing. We'll start with the Honorable Mayor, Marnita King. Give us your pitch. Tell us why somebody should hire your services. This is your opportunity. The mic is yours. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor Grant. You know, I really think it's important for us to realize there are lots of attorneys. There's a belief that sometimes you have to have an old white Jewish attorney. And although there are a lot of great old white Jewish attorneys, I have a lot of colleagues that are, but there are a lot of attorneys such as myself that are hungry, that are working hard, they are going to advocate for you. And so I think if people could just open their minds beyond just what we are forced to believe are the only kinds of representation. There are a lot of especially here in Prince George's County, Maryland. We have a lot of wonderful African-American attorneys, a lot of wonderful female attorneys. And my law firm at King Law, I like to advocate for all sorts of people here in the community. I provide payment plans and other options. My win-loss ratio is very high. And I think that's because I represent some really good residents. I like to make sure the families are together. I believe in making sure that people can get access to their children, that people are able to afford to be able to stay in the community and be given a second chance if they did have a criminal case. You know, one thing I want to say, Mary Grant, is I have a belief that everyone not just come through my fingers and get a not guilty verdict, but I want to be able to provide holistic services. If you need housing, Mm. if you need drug treatment, if you need to be able to live and work, I want to be able to connect people to services so that they don't have to offend. And so I try to connect all of those dots because that's what I saw when I was mayor, the need for services. And I do that as an attorney as well. So if you come to King Law, you don't just have an attorney, you have an advocate. And I I hope to be an advocate for people in the future. And thank you, Mayor Grant, for all that you've done. You have been a mentor. And like I say, when I was the mayor, I was a new mayor and I was able to call Mayor Grant. And he was one of those people that brought me back to reality many times. So thank you for all that you do, Mayor Grant. And I appreciate you. Thank you, Mayor King. Appreciate you. Dr. Jones. 
Well, I will start with my thank you because I'm going to end off with everything else. <laughs> but I definitely want to thank you, Mary Grant, for allowing me to be here to utilize the platform. A lot of people have issues with sharing, and I'm just so glad that I have met amazing, amazing multiple people with those same like-mindedness and helping our community that will allow me to be on their platform. Little old me. I still call myself little old me because I'm just that humble. I don't see Dr. Jones as the name yet. I don't. I still don't see the doctor on the Jones, but I appreciate you utilizing the platform to elevate the things that I'm doing, as well as Mayor King, thank you for sharing your story and mentoring me through your story and so many other individuals as well. I've learned so much from you today. As well, as far as my businesses, I have Hey Dr. Tay LLC, which is my STEM consulting business. And the reason why you would want your kids to learn through my consulting business is because one, I've been there. So what's the best person to represent low resources, no representation or role modeling that looks like myself in those fields and the lack of understanding or interest in STEM fields and careers. The best person for that is somebody that actually lived in that or walked in those shoes. So I would love and love, love, love to take that opportunity, any opportunity to make sure that your kids are elevated in STEM by seeing the excitement, seeing the role models, hearing the stories, getting mentors, having a network, building on that network and having a lifelong success story that'll bring them to the careers that they're trying to strive towards. Last but not least, I definitely have to highlight Changing Faces Incorporated, which is mine and my colleagues' nonprofit. This is for anybody and everybody that is interested but may not have the funds to be a part of these STEM programs. It is completely okay. Once again, the best person to represent you when it comes to STEM is somebody that has been somewhere with a lack of resources, such as myself and Dr. Stevenson, who is my colleague. We have Changing Faces Incorporated. You can find us on social media. I'm also on social media, as you can see in my caption below, as Hey Dr. Dr. Tay on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I also have HeyDrTay.com, which is my web address, and HeyDrTay at gmail.com, which is my email address. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you all so very much. Greatly appreciate your time and being with us on the show today. What a great show. I really want to thank our guest, the Honorable Marnita King Esquire, owner of King Law, Dr. Latasia Jones, owner of Hey Dr. Tay, LLC, for sharing portions of their story. To follow and learn more about their businesses and stories, visit eugenewgrant.com and click on podcast to find links to our guest's social media sites. Thank you for listening.